Hey, it's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. Does anyone know what the imperial presidency is? It's not something we talk about enough, honestly, quite frankly. The imperial presidency is the proper terminology used to apply, used when describing the, the administration of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. The expansion of the administrative state or the executive branch started under Woodrow Wilson and went into hyperdrive during the Roosevelt administration where the, the, the executive branch began to fill up with new agencies and new bureaucrats and new powers not envisioned in the Constitution. Have you heard the phrase brain trust? This was something applied to the close advisors of Roosevelt who knew better than Congress, the Constitution, the framers, the rule of law. And they they set out to create an executive branch that was so powerful, because remember, there were no term limits on the president back then. Roosevelt literally had a drop dead before we set the presidential limits at two terms. A tradition set forth by George Washington, a man who did not seek to become the new king and a man who stepped down from power after serving two terms. And you have to understand something. Eight years back then was like a lifetime. Now it feels like a blip. Eight years was an extremely long time for someone to be in power at the time, and George Washington stepped down after two terms. He did not want to be a king. He gave up power, something not found in human history. No war had to be fought for George Washington to step down. He served as the general, the hero of the revolution, became the first elected president, And after two terms, stepped away and said it's time for somebody else. And if you read George Washington's first inaugural address, it's poetic. It It is poetic. It's pure poetry. He expresses to this new Congress, I am not your king. You are responsible for making the laws. Not me. I am not a king. I'm not an imperial. But under FDR, the expansion of the executive branch was something unprecedented in American history. That no longer was the president a simple executor of the laws passed by Congress. Wholesale departments sprung up. And, exe- and power shifted away from Congress to unelected people working uh, you know, at the behest of the president. Something not envisioned in the Constitution, again, the law of the land. We now have, for better or for worse, and it's not a Republican or Democrat thing, really the power of the budget, we say it. Wow, Congress has the power of the purse strings. But how are federal budgets generated? They are generated by the executive branch, and they are submitted to Congress to be voted on. The Constitution clearly says all bills for raising revenue shall originate in the House of Representatives. But what we've done since Franklin Delano Roosevelt is the president tells the Congress what the president will sign or veto. And Congress reacts to that. That's not how this is supposed to work. I've just opened the phone lines. If there is anyone who thinks 
They're smarter than me, which is every ankle biter out there, any Democrat. At any point, you are free to fact check me and argue and debate, and I will be civil about it. Because what I'm laying out is not an opinion. It is absolute fact. That's why I say the arguments on this program cannot be broken. So the New York Times has this piece. Headline, a rising star in the Biden administration faces a $100 billion test. And it speaks of Gina Raimondo now having the power to distribute $100 billion. Thanks to the CHIPS Act. $100 billion. And it says, let me read the quote. The Commerce Department, under Raimondo's leadership... is now poised to begin distributing nearly $100 billion, roughly 10 times the department's annual budget, to build up the U.S. chip industry and expand broadband access throughout the country. How Raimondo t- handles this task will have big implications for the U.S. economy going forward. Many view the effort at the best and only bet for the United States to position itself in industries of the future, such as artificial intelligence and supercomputing, and assure the country has a secure supply of the chips necessary for national security. But the risks are similarly huge. Critics of the Biden administration's plans have noted the federal government may not be the best judge of which technologies to back. They've warned if the administration gets it wrong, the United States may surrender its leadership in key technologies for good. You mean having unelected people, bureaucrats, favor brokers, be in charge of something so crucial might not be good? Well, Andrew, the government invented the internet. We know how business is done in Washington. The companies that are going to get this money are first and foremost going to have to have well-connected people on their boards of directors not necessarily producing the best technology. Then, of course, there's the whole concept of ESG. And it's not going to be whether or not this chip maker or that chip maker makes the best chip. Have they submitted themselves to the wokeness of ESG? Have they virtue signaled properly on the environment? Have they hosted enough drag queen story hours in their in their lunchrooms. That's what matters most. It's not about efficiency and productivity anymore. It's about who submits themselves to the will of Washington. And $100 billion of taxpayer money is now on the line here. Do you remember Solyndra and A123? We were told if we just shut our mouths, and let the government pick winners and losers, we would have this explosion of green technology. And those companies went down in flames. Weintick 695 Patriot. We were told if we just subsidized EVs, which we are continuing to subsidize endlessly. The fact that the market hasn't fully responded has not made these people rethink putting their fingers on the economic scales, they've said we have to do it more. Now, the Constitution speaks to promoting the useful arts and sciences. Not placing $100 billion in the hands of someone who's not been elected to do anything. 
says right here in the piece continuing, quote, the essence of industrial policy is your gambling, said William Reinch, a trade expert at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, a think tank. She's going to be in a tough spot because there'll probably be failures or disappointments along the way. The outcome could have ramifications for Raimondo's political ambitions. In less than two years in Washington, Raimondo has emerged as one of Biden's most trusted cabinet officials. Company executives describe her as skillful, charismatic politician who's both engaged and accessible in her administration, often known for its skepticism of big business. Raimondo's work has earned praise from Republicans and Democrats, along with labor unions and corporations. Her supporters say she could ascend to another cabinet position, run for the Senate, or perhaps mount a presidential bid. Now, I don't remember this being applied to Carly Fiorina. They hated Carly Fiorina. She was considered unacceptable to the powers that be. But now they see Gina Raimondo, who went to have it, and that's all you need to know, as somebody who could oversee a $100 billion price tag of picking winners and losers. Show me where this type of spending is called for in the Constitution. If these companies are producing the technology of the future, they should be able to attract enormous private investment. But now what they are going to have to do is recal recalibrate their efforts to appeal to the government. I mean, why sell your product to the market? Why promote your product to the market when you could just promote it to the government? What, is, what does Gina Raimondo care? It's not her money. Her only calculation here is how do I use this to elevate my political career? If you want to know why the Venezuelan oil industry went down in flames, because once you had the nationalization, there was still a firewall between the government and private sector oil companies. Once Chavez came into power and began nationalizing fully the industry, it was political appointees who took it over. And we saw the profits of the industry going not to research and development, upkeep, maintenance, exploration, but into social programs. 21st century socialism, it was called. And it all fell apart. This theory of unelected bureaucrats being called experts, praised for their intellect and academic pedigrees, imbued with the intellect to run an economy from an office far, far away with a limitless source of money from the taxpayer has been tried and it has failed just about every time. A broken clock is right twice a day. Sometimes you get lucky. But notice that the New York Times is not focusing its risk on really our economy and national security, but on the politics of it. I've said before and I'll say it again. We're not having a national science fair where each company is putting up its chip, its product, whatever. And we transparently see the effectiveness of this and the market decides to place its bets. They're saying, let Gita Raimondo decide where this $100 billion goes. And if it's predicated on ESG or the number of transgender workers or 
immigrant workers or women in uh, executive positions. That matters more than whether or not the chip actually works. So right now, these companies are now repositioning their strategy on how to get money from government, not how to make the best product. And we've been down this road before. This is, you say fascism, fascism, fascism. When the federal government oversees this level of economic control, where companies are essentially proxies of government, like in Obamacare, where the insurance companies are given money to sell a product to someone who can't afford to buy it. And then people are given money to buy the product from the people who have been subsidized. The government is on both the purchase and sale side or purchase and production side or the buyer and seller side, whichever way you want to look at it. That is a recipe for absolute disaster. Because then it doesn't really matter if the system works. It just matters if it appeals to the political class. If they feel satisfied with their efforts. So expect that this $100 billion will be wasted. And it will not produce the best technology. Now there's also a theory here. If the only way to get in on this is to get that chunk of a hundred billion, then it doesn't really matter. You don't know any better. You don't know the unseen. You don't know what won't be developed. The government will say it. And they do this every time. The high quality healthcare, high quality education, high quality transportation. But if there's nothing to compare it to, how do you know it's high quality? You don't, you know that that's what's available. If the government ran the brewing industry and said, this is, this is the best tasting beer. Or they ran the recording industry and said, this is the best sounding song. If there was no other song on the radio but what the government put on the radio, you wouldn't know any better. If you couldn't have a blind taste test, you wouldn't know what tastes better. And what tastes better to you might not taste better to somebody else, which is why we have we like elements of the free market. So you can expect these companies to appeal to government sensibility rather than market forces and quality. Once efficiency is secondary to productivity, I'm sorry, uh, efficiency is secondary to politics and political considerations. If efficiency and productivity are not first and foremost, and yes, profit, those other considerations will consume profitability, efficiency, and productivity. I'm 100% right about this. I'm not arguing. But when the framers put promote the useful arts and sciences, Clearly, you could see nothing in any founding document that would speak to this. I've got more. 1-866-95-PATRIOT-957-2874. We are right. They are wrong. That's the end of the story. The arguments on this radio program cannot be broken. Serious XM Patriot. You can join me live on the Wilcom Majority, Monday to Friday, noon to 3 east, 9 to noon west, on Serious XM Patriot, channel 125. <laughs>